This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I don't have to tell you this morning, at least I hope I don't have to tell you, that we're a nation that's in trouble. We have several crises, many of which the media wants to ignore or re-explain. But those crises are manufactured. But they're manufactured by spiritually blind people who have an agenda that is far greater than just the well-being of America. But if I asked you to explain what ails us, we'd get a lot of different answers. But I really wonder if, as the Church of Jesus Christ, if we'd come up with the right answer. Folks, we don't have an economic problem. We don't have a racial problem. We have a righteousness problem. And as long as we have a righteousness problem, we don't just have other enemies. When we're unrighteous, we make God our enemy. No one stands up against heaven and succeeds, ever. I love my America. I've had loved ones who have perished in conflict. This morning, I'm thankful for the Marines in our family. One of those is here today. I thank God for our military. I thank God for all that you military members are doing, have done, to help preserve our freedoms. But you know what my Bible tells me? You can have a great military, but if you're not righteous and blessed of God, your military isn't going to help you. That's hard to say. But Assyria, Nineveh, Babylon, Greece, we could keep right on going, right? If you turn your back on God, and God turns his back on you, you're in trouble. We're in trouble. In many ways, America parallels ancient Israel. And Israel had a righteousness problem. They knew God, but weren't willing to fulfill their obligations to God. And that's what righteousness is, fulfilling our obligations to God. God has spoken. He's left us his mind, his word. He tells us, I want a relationship with you, but you, you have to come to me on my terms, not yours. He says, be righteous. And in fact, we can study the Bible and see that he's given us everything we need to be righteous. God wants a relationship with every person and nation but what happens when they turn their back on him? It's been mentioned a couple different times, quoting from Proverbs 14, 34, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin, the opposite of righteousness, me doing my will instead of God's will, but sin is a reproach to any people. Literally, the Hebrew there in Proverbs is sin is a reproach to nations. That's what the wording is. And I like the way it's worded for this simple reason. 
America isn't special. We just had founders who thought God was special. Any nation that will turn their hearts to the Lord, God will deliver and bless. That's what he promises. And so what nations do with righteousness impacts each nation in the very same way. This week, this past week, in my time with the Lord, I've been reading through the book of Ezekiel. Do you know where that's even at? Can you spell it? All right. It's, but it's one of the major prophets. The unique thing about Ezekiel is this. Ezekiel prophesies for the Lord. The Lord speaks to him, but Ezekiel isn't in Israel like the other prophets. He is living in Babylon. Here's what happened when Nebuchadnezzar invaded and sacked Jerusalem. You know who one of the captives was that he took? Ezekiel. And so Ezekiel, living in Babylon now, is still, by the voice of a gracious God, trying to minister to the captives and say, look, God hasn't abandoned you. Turn your heart back to him. Be righteous. He's challenging his fellow countrymen to turn their hearts to God. How do we know that, in fact, God wanted a relationship with Israel? Do you know that over 70 times in Ezekiel's prophecy, God says this, they shall know that I am God. They shall know that I am God. I'm going to do these things that they might know I am God. 70 times. That's his heart. When we get to chapter 13, he continues to speak to the causes that led to Israel's defeat and that kept the people in spiritual blindness even in Babylon. And I believe God gave the prophet's words to us to prevent the same thing from happening here. So let me mention two problems. We're in chapters 13 and 14. I'll be quick. First of all, the first problem was that Israel's preachers were declaring their own words and not what God had said. So I, didn't, I don't think of that as a problem. It's a problem, and as a preacher, I'll declare it. Say, preacher, I, I heard that there's a big meal over there. Can you hurry up and get done? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to keep things moving along. But, but here's the point. Why was Israel in captivity? It was a preacher problem. Why is America in trouble? It's a preacher problem. And when preachers aren't declaring what is unrighteous and challenging people to be righteous for God, God can't bless the nation because the people will continue in unrighteousness. Now, how do we know that this was a problem? In chapter 13... The word of the Lord came unto me, Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel that prophesy, and say unto them that prophesy out of their own hearts, Hear ye the word of the Lord. They were declaring what they thought needed to be said instead of what God said needed to be said. Thus saith the Lord, Woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit, and have seen nothing. In other words, have seen nothing from me. They're declaring what they want to say. 
Our radio waves, our television stations are filled with these characters. They claim to speak for God, but they don't speak what God has said. Now, some of you perhaps have been in some of those churches. Maybe you're visiting today and you're in some of those churches. Can I challenge you? If you picked your church based on entertainment value, you made the wrong choice. Does the man of God stand before the people of God and does he declare the word of God, thus saith the Lord? Do you know that that was the early colonies? Do you know that at Lexington Green and those other places where the initial shots were fired for the American Revolution, that those were men from congregations and their preachers stood right along the line with them? And by the way, in preparation for this message and some other doctoral work that I'm doing, I have recently gone back and read some of those sermons. What they were declaring to God's people back in that day. And oh, by the way, George Washington made some of those guys chaplains for his military. And that's why we have military chaplaincy today. I don't know if you knew that. That's our history. And in those camps, those same preachers were declaring the righteousness of God. That was the first problem. They weren't speaking out against unrighteousness. Now the preacher needs to also encourage God's people who are living righteously. Thank God for those of you that are being a testimony. But for you to be a true testimony, here's what's got to happen. It is so easy today to complain about politics. Guilty as charged. I'll tell you what I think. But you know what? If I'm telling America what they need to hear and my neighbors and my friends and my family, you know what I need to be telling them? We have an offended God because we are an unrighteous nation. We need to get back to God. That's what we need to be declaring. And it needs to start with the preacher's in this land. And I know we have several pastors here today. Here's the second problem. It's found in chapter 14. This is going to surprise you, but here's the second problem. People were still coming to church. Oh, yeah. Still coming to church. Now, they didn't have church back then. Of course, it was prophets and priests. By the way, Ezekiel was a priest as well as a prophet. He was from the right tribe. He was a priest and a prophet. But in Babylon, people were still coming to Ezekiel to hear the word of the Lord. If I could express it this way, they were still coming to church. Okay. You say, well, pastor, why is that a problem? Well, they were here, coming to hear from Ezekiel what God had said, but they weren't willing to give God their hearts. Chapter 14, look at verse 3. Son of man, these men have set up their idols in their hearts. And in the previous verses, certain of the elders were coming to, to sit before Ezekiel and hear from the Lord. Verse 3, son of man, these, have come to, uh, the, these men who have come have set up their idols in their hearts and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face Shall I be inquired of at all by them? Therefore speak unto them. Once again. Okay, well, we ought to come and hear from the Lord. 
You're here today. God bless you. But do you really want to hear from the Lord? I mean, do you? Or as you sit there, you feel a little better about yourself, but if your heart is full of idolatry, I love, one of, the, one of the strongest parts of this whole presentation was the grandmother. I wish the Christian grandmothers of this country could get on live television and talk to the, talk to the nation. But we have the latest electronics. And by the way, they keep making them better. Why? Because the devil wants to convince you that that's going to satisfy, and meet, satisfy your heart, meet your needs. And that's a lie. It's not. And so they come to hear the word from the Lord. What was the answer? Look at verse 6. Here's the answer from God to these that were coming. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God. What's the next word? Repent. And turn yourselves from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations. Say, so what, what will help restore our nation? Ezekiel 14, verse 6. It's right there. Repent, agree with God about what he says we should be and the sin in our lives and turn from the idols and from the abominations. That's the answer to healing in this land. And by the way, our history proves it. You know that after every dark time in our country, and I'm talking about the time of the most sin, God graciously sent to this land, and I believe it's through the prayers of his people, God sent revival here. Ever heard of the first and second great awakening? Do you know that there were revivals in Civil War camps, especially in the South? Do you know that after the roaring 20s, God sent, graciously sent revivals here again? And one of the greatest times of church growth in America is when our soldiers all came back from World War II. The problem was we felt we deserved the good life because we had rescued the world a second time. And people started to turn away from righteousness and their preachers weren't helping because they weren't declaring the word of the Lord. What's interesting about this text then is that God says the healing of a nation must happen in the hearts of citizens when they repent and turn from their idols. Now, how serious is God about this? Thank you for listening so well. Here's how serious God is about it. You'll see a, a common theme in verses 14, 16, 18, and 20. I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. When God repeats himself in the Bible, it's on purpose. Here's what he says in verse 14. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, in the land, they, uh, they should deliver uh, but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. Would you think in America today, if Noah, Job, and Daniel lived in America, God would spare us? Well, he's telling these Jews, I wouldn't. Now, I'd spare them, but I wouldn't spare the nation. 
Now that encourages those of you who are trying to live righteous lives for the Lord. You've shunned idolatry, wickedness, and you're trying to meet your obligations before God with a clean heart. Do you know what God says? I will preserve you. I will. But not the rest of the nation. I, I would like to think because we have many faithful believers in the United States of America, God's going to spare us. There is no promise in the Bible that way. It's just not there. Now, God will spare the righteous, but he doesn't promise to spare the nation. It's interesting when you look at the lives of Noah, Job, and then Daniel. And by the way, Daniel was Ezekiel's friend. They were contemporaries in Babylon. I think that's really great. Speaking to these Jews, they knew Daniel. But there's a common theme when you study their lives and what God exalts about their lives in the scriptures, it all comes down to one word. Do you know what it is? It's righteousness. Every one of those men were righteous in their generation. And over and over the Lord says, even with these men in the nation, I won't spare the nation, but I will spare them. Now, what does God do that, where he says, here's the judgment that I'll bring? Notice how God will deal with that nation and see if any of this sounds familiar. And this is why when I was studying this, this stuff was just jumping off the page at me. First of all, God says, I'll take away their supply of bread. You can see that in verse 13. What country in the world, in the history of the world, has produced the most food? America. But you can't turn your TV on without them talking about hunger. And if you've been to the store lately to buy bread or meat, it's getting so expensive, already folks can't afford it. Now why? Well, God does use the spiritual blindness and the foolishness of leadership in a nation to cause these things to happen. But if things continue as they are, we're going to have a bread problem. Why? Well, we, we just got to get the economy back on uh, track. No, we need to have a righteous nation. What else does God say he'll do? He'll, he'll bring a sword upon the land, verse 17. Now, we don't have an invading army yet, but you know what we do have? Americans are killing each other in the streets. You cannot look at the news unless you're not looking at the news or, or a bad news source, without every day reading by the dozens of those who are being killed in our streets. How's that happen? We have a righteousness problem. We have a righteousness problem. See, if this one sounds familiar, verse 19, part of God's judgments will be pestilence. Yeah. Viruses, covid You say, well, that's, that's, all, that's a lab in China, that's this. No, 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 it's a righteousness problem. And that's what I want to declare to you. And you know the only one, one that you can change and fix when it comes to righteousness is your heart. Will you turn to God with your heart? Now, is being righteous before God really the issue? 
Well, it is. Israel already had God's mind on the matter even before they went into captivity. And God hasn't changed his mind. This verse was quoted earlier in the presentation, 2 Chronicles 7.14. When Israel was at her peak as a nation, had a king that was known for being the wisest man to that point who had ever lived. That's saying something. And that man was told by God when he dedicated the temple in Jerusalem, God told him this, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. And God says to Solomon, Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. So they're right with the Lord, but then he makes this promise. I will heal their land. Oh, we have a great country. Just the land. But it itself needs healing now. The blood of millions cries from the ground into the ears of God. This land needs healing, but it will only come when you and I allow God to heal our hearts when we turn from our sin and repent. We have got to agree with God. Now, if you think this morning I'm talking about religious reform, I'm not. The only way you can be righteous is first to have Jesus Christ's righteousness applied to your life. And that only happens if you'll admit to God you're a sinner. And ask Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, to take away your sin. And rose again the third day. But you have to invite him to be your savior and when he comes in, he gives you a new nature. He washes all the sin away. And in God's eyes, you now have his righteousness, which makes you able to be a child of his and go to heaven. That's where righteousness begins. And so military members, other friends who are here today, do you have Christ's righteousness because you have invited, admitted to God you were a sinner and invited Jesus to be your Savior? Have you done that? If you have not done that, let me encourage you today. Would you open your heart to the Lord and receive him? He says, I want to give you a free gift. It won't cost you anything, but it costs my son his life. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, the Bible says. And then Christian, what about your righteousness? Your righteousness when you're all by yourself. Your righteousness with you, when you're in the family room with your family. When you're in the workplace. Do you fulfill your obligations to God? Do they know you're a Christian? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Lord, thank you for this America. Many have taken it for granted. Many of our fellow countrymen are ungrateful. Lord, we are still the greatest nation on earth, and that's the reason why millions are trying to cross our borders and get here. But Lord, we cannot be sustained as a nation if we continue in unrighteousness. We have to have God on our side. But Lord, you made us to glorify you. You made us to know you. And so I'm asking today that if there's anyone here, Lord, who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Savior, that, Father, you would convict in their hearts. Help them right now to turn in humble, childlike faith and receive your...
Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.